You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast with me, Josie. And me, Spencer. And today, our very special guest is the amazing Rebecca Hugerworth, or, you know, Becca. Thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause, please. Oh my gosh. So uh, <laughs> Becca is a graduate of Azusa Pacific University. Um, we were roommates in college and she was friends with Spencer in, um, you know, class. They had classes together and she majored in youth ministry. Yeah. Real uh, relevant major. Everybody just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she worked as a youth pastor for a while then decided to leave and that's what we're going to be talking about today the reasons she left and etc cetera, etc cetera. i'll let her tell her own story but becca welcome to the podcast welcome thank you thank you happy to be here um happy to have been in youth ministry while i was um but also happy to not be in it right now <laughs> dude could you imagine being a youth pastor during covid that sounds terrible it sounds like it would be like a lot of just uh zoom conversations with your youth kids and having to make a lot of videos so i'm yeah very happy that i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> All right, Becca, so tell us, um, tell us your life story, your, your testimony, tell us your, um, what you're here for, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I was born in San Jose, California, um, family of five. I'm the middle child. Um, and we grew up going to a very conservative evangelical church. Um, and I grew up with those beliefs for, um, quite some time ultimately decided, well, I love my youth group. I don't have any other hobbies or interests. So I think I kind of want to do a uh, youth ministry. I really enjoy it. That's the best part of my week. And let's go ahead and pursue this degree. And so that's how I ended up, uh, with my major and ultimately went through that degree and then got a job at the church I was interning at right after college. Um, and then just kind of went through it at that church. <laughs> yeah. You want to elaborate the, what I went through? <laughs> yeah. And then tell us, just tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So I was really excited when I first got the job. Um, I just really enjoyed the kids. It was all about the kids for me from the beginning. I didn't really have any interest in being too involved with ministry with the adults. Cause that's not what I was there for. I was there for the kids. Um, and right off the bat, it was really hard for me. I had a really hard time adjusting to life after college and just figuring out like what it looks like to be an adult and establish my own routine. And I also had a job while I was the youth pastor as just like a part-time employee at this trampoline park, uh, because my church did not pay me enough to live. So, uh, so I was, yeah, just trying to be the independent woman that I am. And it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be after graduating. Um, and then, just, yeah, slow struggle adjusting to the position, but really enjoyed it. Um, had like a whole week long trip right after almost, I think like two months into my job, I took a whole group of kids up to San Francisco for a week for, a. it was like a, a missions trip kind of, and we had to like show the kids like homelessness in San Francisco 
And it was hard because the kids had never been exposed to anything like that. Um, and they were just a very different group of kids than what the program had seen before in the past. And so I think the program had a hard time handling the kids and I had a hard time handling them because I, uh, was new to my job. Um, <laughs> anyways, flash forward a couple more months. Um, and that would be probably about like, yeah. So less than a year after I started the position, I just had like one of the most horrifying experiences of my life. I guess horrifying is a dramatic word to use, but it was traumatic. Um, so I had sent out like at the end of the year, um, I was hired in June, but had been an intern there for a year before that. And then in December, I had to send out an email to the whole church updating everyone on how things in the youth group are going. And so I talked a lot about like the trip and how like our youth group nights were going and just a little bit about how the youth group acted with each other and with me and she said like, yeah, we're like a little family. Like we have our struggles, but we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. And that was about it. And just some context of the youth group as well. These are like primarily Hispanic kids from the Azusa community. Uh, not a lot of, there were no white kids in the group, but the church itself was white. So like there was not really a connection between like the kids in my youth group and the adults that went on Sundays. It was very disconnected right from when I took over. Um, but there was a parent in the church who had a kid who was a, he was a senior in high school at the time, but he had stopped going to youth group over the summer. So I just thought, Oh, he must be just going to his own. Like he was still meeting with one of the old youth leaders. So I didn't put any effort into like getting to know him. Cause I just didn't see that as an appropriate role for me. <laughs> so sure enough, I just didn't think much of it. And then one day on Sunday morning in January, I walk in, it's a small church. So they do a whole free breakfast on Sunday mornings. I'm toasting a bagel. This man comes up to me and he's like, Hey, like, I just want to know, like, how's the youth group doing? And I'm like, Oh, you know, it's going well. Yeah. Feeling good about it. All this stuff. Like, wow, this man's never talked to me before. Suddenly he's interested in how this is going. And he asks about his son, like, how's your, how's my son doing? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't really seen him. I don't really have his number, so I don't really have a way to get in contact with him. Um, so I don't know, but he hasn't been going, but I think he seems to be doing okay. And then suddenly, like, he just starts grilling into me, and he's just like, well, I just, I read your email that you sent out, and I just want to say how dare you say that the youth group is a family when my son's not included in that group and how dare you try and make it seem like this group is something that it's not all this stuff. And he's going off for a while. And then, uh, I apologize. And I'm like, Hey, I'm really like, sorry. You feel that way. You're absolutely right. What can I do to make this better? And I'll never forget what he said. Cause he said, I think you should step down from your position. I think you should leave because you're not qualified to be in it. And I was like this young female youth pastor already intimidated by my job. And then I had this older respected man in the church tell me that I'm not qualified to be in the position that I'm in. And I just was horrified and this was in front of a ton of people. There were all these other people that knew this conversation was happening and no one came to my defense. No one stopped him. No one intervened. 
And I just felt so helpless and so like attacked and like defenseless. And so I just like left the room and I just started bawling. Like I was just like, I was already telling myself that I wasn't qualified for the job. I didn't need this man to tell me that I wasn't. Um, and that was, I think the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> so yeah. So the, after that, I just, um, I, I really, I just didn't enjoy being in the church anymore. And I only enjoyed being around my kids. I didn't want to go on Sundays. I felt so unsupported and all of that. And then the second thing that really pushed me away from the church involvement was a few months after that. Um, and by that point I had decreased my hours at the church and got promoted at my trampoline park job because I was like, yeah, that sounds ideal. I don't want to be going to Sunday mornings anymore. I need the money that this other job would give me because I would make more there than I do at this job I have a degree for. And <laughs> yeah. And then the, this other Wednesday night happens where we play hide and seek. And one of my kids goes on the roof, which if you see how this church is laid out, it makes sense. Like <laughs> the roof is right there is very easy to get on. And it's just a, like, it's a one story roof. So it's not like that bad of a fall. Right. But he doesn't even fall. Like it's fine. Um, and I'm like helping out with some other kid in another room at, in the youth group. And suddenly like I hear silence except for like one voice that's yelling. And I'm like, who is that? And I go back into the main room and one of the old men from my church was yelling at uh, my kid for going on the roof. And I was like, I was scared because I'm already scared of the old men at my church. And the kids are terrified because they don't know these people. And I just, I, I was, I had no words. I didn't know what to say. Um, and so ultimately I brought it to my boss's attention. Like after that, well, she brought it to me. I don't even know. I don't remember, but I just remember feeling so upset after that because this man had cussed out one of my students. And I was like thinking that when my boss brought it up that we would be talking about like how he needed to apologize to the kid and how we needed to take care of the kid. Uh, cause he was, it was scary. It was scary for my kids. And I just wanted to protect them in that way, like emotionally. And the conversation that she brought up with me was that I needed to tell my kids not to go on the roof. Cause if they fall, not that they would get hurt, but if they fall and got hurt, that it would be a liability financially for the church. And that's when I realized like this church doesn't care about like the lives of these students. They care about this building more than, and the money that they have more than they care about the lives of my kids. And it just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so I'm not going to talk about like the struggles I had with the kids individually. That's a whole separate storyline of my experience as a youth minister, <laughs> um, which is a lot more fun to talk about because there's so much love that follows the conflict with the kids. Uh, but there was no love that followed the conflicts I had with the adults and they were ultimately the ones I was working for and the ones I represented. And I didn't want to represent that. I wanted to represent my kids and how much I loved them. Um, and so just over time after, uh, slowly just being more and more frustrated with what I experienced, um, in that job, I just started working there less and less and got another promotion, um, at my trampoline job. So I just, 
I only cared about the kids the whole time and finally got to a point where I just wasn't happy with my life. And I knew I wasn't giving the kids the effort that they deserved. And I knew the church was running out of money and having all these other problems within their own self. And I didn't know how to describe like the church conflict to my youth kids as the reason why I was leaving because how, how they, they don't understand like the church dynamic. They only understand their youth group dynamic. And so I was kind of like, how am I going to explain to these kids like that? I need to step down from this position because of church conflicts that they don't even realize I'm tied to. And so that in combination with just not being happy with my life outside of church, I was like, maybe the way to solve all my problems <laughs> is to move. <laughs> so yeah. So October, uh, not October, no, about a year ago, like uh, December of last year, I moved to Bellingham, Washington. And when I first moved, I told myself, I'm not going to go to a church. I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to just take time to have no ties for the first time in my life to any sort of religious affiliation. And I'm just going to be myself and I'm not gonna, for the first time in my life, have anything to do with a church or religion, but I still recognize, like, I still believe in God. I still have this faith, but I just was like, I need it to look different because it hasn't worked for me up to this point. And it's been an awesome year because by like separating myself from that environment, I've been able to give myself the space to really think about like what it looks like to be a Christian, but not a Christian. And how can I like be myself and express my faith in ways that um, are not the ways that I've been taught. And it's been awesome. I feel like I've just rebuilt my faith in new ways. And I've like found myself just wanting to be more involved in the same things I was in the past, but in a different way. And it's weird. And I'm trying to like work through what that looks like. And I feel like I have the confidence to speak up for myself that I didn't have when that man yelled at me while I was toasting my bagel. And I now know that I know how to use my voice to express what I believe and what my perspective is without being afraid that I'm hurting someone else's feelings. And it took moving across the country to realize like the voice that I could have in that sort of environment and how to speak up for like the kids that I wish I would have spoken up for more instead of um, just standing next to, I should have really stepped forward. And I just think about that a lot. And uh, yeah, but I loved those kids and I would love to love kids like that in the future. And it's made me realize that someday I would hope to be involved in that context again, because at the end of the day, I do feel like it was all worth it. All the bullshit was worth it. And I'm excited to kind of see where I end up someday, but right now I'm happy to not be in it. So <laughs> that's, I guess that's the summary there. I feel like this is such a common story that I hear from people that I know that go into youth ministry. I just had a friend recently who like was completely burnt out. Like, and I mean, he was getting paid well cause he was in St. Clemente or whatever, but he, I mean, they just took advantage of literally all of his time, especially once COVID hit. God damn. He was working like seven days a week, not a million hours a week. Who knows how many, and eventually he was just like, I can't be at this church. Well, one, because they didn't hold the same beliefs, but also like there's a, such a lack of respect, 
I don't know. Like, what do people think youth pastors are like just little assholes running around doing whatever? Like, like it's not a real job. Um, all that to say, Becca, how do you think that churches can better support their youth pastors? Yeah, I think that they should realize that their youth pastors are there to be the youth pastor and not to be um the the bitch (laughs) I think a lot yeah youth pastors get taken advantage of all the time and I think I also have my here's a hot take about youth pastors I don't think you should be a youth pastor if you're just trying to use that as a boost on your resume I think if you're not truly passionate about being there for the youth then you're at the wrong job there's other ways to boost your resume I guess I just can you say that louder please louder for the people in the back (laughs) don't go into youth ministry if you feel called to a different ministry (laughs) a freaking man a freaking man um yeah but a lot of a lot of times like I would get like assigned tasks where I was like why am I the one that's doing this why am I having to be involved in areas of the church that are not the youth ministry. Cause you're not going to get me to be passionate about serving communion. You're not going to get me to be passionate about setting up an Easter event for five kids that might come on Sunday. Like that's not my job. My job is to like be there for my kids. And if I can't be there for them because I'm too busy doing some potluck organization for your elders, then you're wasting your money on me. <laughs> like uh, there's other things for me to do. And I, another issue I have with like a big issue I had with the church is just like churches in general, like where their money goes shows their priorities. And we spent thousands of dollars on a new parking lot at a church where there's 50 people that attend. And meanwhile, there was zero of the um, money that the church had went towards the youth group. Instead, I was told that any money that we wanted for our youth group, I had to fundraise myself. And I was kind of like, what? Like, this is a this is bigger than your Sunday morning congregation and we're getting zero dollars in our budget. That's messed up. And I had to put in extra work so that I could have money to feed my kids who didn't eat that day. <laughs> like I was, it was unbelievable. I just, it, and their priorities were just so out of whack and just to have them upset with my kid. Cause they would have to spend money if he fell off the roof and hurt himself rather than hurting himself, be, hurting himself physically. Cause he's emotionally distraught now like, or yeah. Or hurting himself from falling. Like it was just like, I, I just couldn't believe it. They're, they just, their priorities were all out of whack. Um, but I did not answer your question. Um, how can people better support youth <laughs> pastors, um, by, by letting youth pastors be themselves and not putting them in a role that they didn't sign up for or by expecting them to be someone that they're not because I think I I was worse at my job because I thought I had to fit this mold of what I thought a youth pastor should be where I was a better youth pastor when I was just myself um but I just didn't feel comfortable being that in front of the church because I didn't feel like they would support me if I showed the real me isn't it sad that it's a hot take of you shouldn't go into youth ministry if you don't want to be a youth minister like (laughs) I think that's something that is never talked about in the church because so many people like, it's almost like the story of like you, 
if you, you know, not every pastor goes and gets a degree, like that's whatever, but it's like this stepping stone of you started in the youth group, like you were a volunteer and then you became a small group leader and then you became the youth pastor and then you moved on and then you started doing adult ministry. Like that's so wrong. Like kids are not a stepping stone, like especially that age, like they deserve every they deserve one they deserve somebody that has has an education whether it be in ministry in adolescent development like i i strongly believe they deserve that and two they deserve all of your time and all of your priority they don't need somebody that's like dang i hope i'm only in this ministry role for like six more months because i want to get promoted you know i want to be a campus pastor or i want to be a preaching on sundays like no that's so wrong if your heart and your soul isn't in those kids and like you should not be there. Yeah, I am. Um, and our kids, I was a youth group leader under <laughs> Becca. It was really a triple threat partnership there with a uh, shout out to Gabe. Uh, and then Blakely for a little Blakely, while. Yeah, yeah Blakely. Blakely. <laughs> College friends, everybody. We all went to APM. Um, and it was just, our kids were, they were very special and they required a very special amount of attention uh, because in Azusa, if you don't go to Azusa Pacific University, you, um, the areas of like a lower uh, socioeconomic status than a lot of people were used to. And a lot of what we did was like taking these kids out to eat or, and out of our own pockets too. We didn't necessarily have a budget for that all the time or figuring out how we're going to get these kids to winter camp <laughs> Or <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> like we had so many fundraisers, like a bake sales and art shows, and these kids were not helping us. We did this all ourselves, <laughs> which again is fine because they're fucking kids, right? And like you can't force them. They don't know what we're doing, and we had like they, these weren't kids that you could be like, Jesus loves you, and be super spiritual. You kind of had to like meet them exactly where they are in the sense of like teaching them basic morality first, and then add a little sprinkle of Bible on yeah, there. Yeah, teaching them, taking them to restaurants, and teaching them how to order food and how to say please and thank you, and like just like basic life skills that they just they just weren't used to. They they never ate at restaurants. Like they were like, wow, we're going to Denny's. Like woo and it was just cute like they were fun to raise but it was a lot of work what you made me think of was just the amount of work it took because uh, the kids couldn't get to church on their own we had to we had to drive them to and from church every single Wednesday and we were only four leaders and at one point like we couldn't even fit them all each in our own car so we had to do like multiple trips and then there was like one at one point a kid lived like 30 minutes away yeah. you're just like you're driving all right who wants to get Ethan today <laughs> and it was never a question of whether this kid was going to come to youth group right it was just like fuck we have to go get him like just a level sense of like okay we got to do what we got to do because this kid this is like the only wholesome interaction because mind you i mean ethan was special he like was stealing cars and which <laughs> uh we had special kind of kids but even still we had no support from this church but that's not like just because these kids are considered quote unquote bad kids It's because youth groups hardly ever get any support from any church. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would just say in general, just everything that I was taught in my degree did not apply to my youth group. <laughs> and I was just kind of <laughs> like, all right, like policies. Yeah, we don't have those. <laughs> 
Um, just show up and cause chaos. <laughs> hope the best. I want to, so I want to get back to, so let's talk about this parent for a second because <laughs> I, the youth group I grew up in had tons of kids, like anywhere between from the time I, I started going to that youth group in sixth grade, all the way to like graduated high school throughout that whole time, there was anywhere between on Wednesday night, probably anywhere between 30 and 80 kids, like sixth grade to 12th grade. And then on Sunday nights, when we do like high school Bible study, there was always anywhere between 10 to about 25 kids. And, you know, tons of kids just would not come, you know, they'd go to church on Sunday mornings with their parents, some of them, even pastors, kids, they just wouldn't come to youth group. And I don't know, from my personal experience, I know some, sometimes parents were like, Oh my gosh, my kid doesn't want to go. But also at the same time, like there's parents that just understand, like, you know what? Sometimes kids need to make their own choices and it is not, again, I think exactly what you said, like, yeah, like you weren't necessarily like reaching out sometimes, but also like you're in this weird place, like as a woman in ministry, like there's so many people just are so harping on gender roles that if you started texting this senior aged boy in high school, like, how come you're not at youth group? Like, that's a little weird. People would be like, Oh my gosh, that's weird. And so like, there's a responsibility of like, if the parents really want them to go to youth group, like you can either, you have two choices. You can either make them go, which I think is kind of a shitty thing. You shouldn't make your kid go, or you have an honest conversation of why don't you want to go? What could make it better? Because instead of yelling at you, if they had a conversation with their kid and they're like, Hey, my kid said X, Y, and Z, do you think we could work on this? I feel like you'd be much more receptive to that than just you're shitty and you aren't qualified for this job even though you are because I sat in those classes with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and it was so frustrating too because I was like so overwhelmed already with like the students I had actually showing up on Wednesdays and it was like I had my hands full I didn't have time to pay attention to who wasn't there because I was giving my attention to who was there and who was there were absolutely exhausting to me. (laughs) And I like, it was like that in combination with just adjusting to post-grad life, which I'm sure is an experience we've all, I mean, it was a depressing time and I didn't know how to like even just carry myself in the world, much less in this role that I was very intimidated by, but also very excited by. And just the thought of like having to, like it just never even crossed my mind that that was like a shortcoming that I had. And so I was just speaking like what I knew, which was very jumbled because I was just a mess in my daily life because I, yeah, I wasn't being supported. And so I was trying to support myself and I, I ended, I didn't have, I don't think I had a therapist at that time yet either. And so it was just like all these things and just having to like, get to a point where I could finally like, be like, wait a second, like that was messed up. <laughs> I'm not the problem, <laughs> but it took a lot of, it took a lot of work. Um, it's a big growing experience for sure. <laughs> well, and I think that's something else to highlight too, of one youth pastors in general need to be supported, but two, so often youth pastors are like fresh out of college, like exactly what you said of we're dealing with our own like trying to figure out like okay like I'm a I'm a real adult now like I'm like out of school I'm trying to figure out who my friends are I'm trying to navigate my own faith and now I'm a youth pastor in charge of teenagers like 
That's so hard. And I think so many people overlook that exactly what you said of not even just being supported as a pastor, but not supported in where you were on your own personal spiritual and mental journey. Like that's so hard. And people, I think people forget that so often honestly, if any new pastor, yeah, like post-grad is super hard, but anytime somebody, you know, some people go back to school later in life and decide to become a pastor yet. They have no support of like, I'm a brand new pastor. What am I supposed to do here? You know? Yeah. I think a unique, I don't know if it, I mean, it's not unique, but it felt unique to me at the time. Just also being a single person in ministry Yes. is, yes, yes. is like one of the hardest things. Cause, and I felt so it was, it sucked because every pastor before me at that church had either a fiance, serious girlfriend that eventually they did marry or like wife or husband. Uh, I guess it was always a wife because they were all men before me. Um, (laughs) but like, like, I don't know, that's another thing where like, I was like, okay, like I'm the only like single person working here. Like, and just in general, one of my issues with churches is there's, there's a big gap between like, once you're out of college and once you're not married, churches don't really take care of the single people in between those phases and it sucks. And I'm like, don't, I don't know what churches could do, but they there's, it's non-existent from my experience or it's very rare to find a church that's doing anything for people that are single and 25 years old. So the church I grew up in, they had like, so there was youth ministry that kind of bled into college ministry, young adults, you know, there was like this weird gray line just because there wasn't a ton until once I graduated, then all of a sudden there was a lot more, but yeah. So there's this weird gray line of like college. And then they had a bunch of like married small groups. And then there was one singles group. And let me tell you that singles group, everybody ended up getting married except for like two people. So it just turned into a marriage group. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a, a big bummer about being single. <laughs> Cause it's like, like, and I, I don't know. I mean, I've been single my whole life, so I'm like used to it, but it's hard. Cause there's like part of me, like I am more in the same place of life as like my married friends, but I also my issues are not marriage related. And so I don't relate to them. I don't understand them on that, but like, I'm a working girl. I'm not going to school anymore. I'm not as passionately driven about my future plans. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like college students are like, yeah, homework after this, I'm happy. I got my homework done. Just I need prayer for this test that's coming up. And I'm like, I haven't thought about a test in years. (laughs) Like I, I don't relate to that, but I'm also like more figuring out my place in this world and more like independent like a college student. And so it's like another weird thing, but that was hard in ministry. Cause it was like, I think in the past, like the pastors before me had support from their significant other. And I didn't have that support. And I think the church failed to support me because they didn't experience that issue with the previous pastors. Cause all of them had their support at home. And I didn't have that. Cause I lived by myself. <laughs> I think that's another good thing to highlight though, because so often the especially in youth ministry, the pastor's wife, husband, boyfriend, Mm -hmm. girlfriend, fiance, like, dude, they are used up so quickly. Like, like it's, they're just, they're voluntold 99% of the time of, oh, we're going to have this event and I need you there. Oh, your significant other's coming too. Right. And you're in this awkward place where you're just like, no, they're not coming. Or you're like, but you feel pressured of like, no, they have to. And so exactly what you said of, because you're single one, you don't have that outside support, but then two, I'm sure there's also this level of like, 
oh, like you don't have a built-in volunteer. So yeah, well, you're like, like lacking that. That's another weird thing with like the dad who had that son. It's like, if I would have had a like a husband, the husband would have been the one that would have been reaching out to your son. I don't have that. I felt like I had to be like two people at once at this job because they've always had a couple in the role. And so it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not married. Like <laughs> you hired me, you know? like, but like, I, and I'm sure like there's other people that could talk about what it's like to be a married person in that role, but that's not my experience. But yeah, I think it was just, it was hard. Cause it was like, they expected me to fulfill the role of a husband I didn't have. And it was that's impossible. I'm one person. <laughs> well, even if you're married, like my friend who just quit his job in San Clemente, he was married with a baby and they still expected all of his time. Like you don't get a, you don't necessarily get a break. Even if you are married, yeah. there's no compromise anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, we, we mentioned Becca and I both got ministry degrees and that's something of discerning of if I want to go into ministry full-time, like looking into that. And Jack and I have had to have conversations of like, like me laying it out of like, you don't understand. Like if I work in ministry, like there's this unspoken rule that not only are you going to be in the pew every Sunday, but like if I'm doing youth ministry or kids ministry, like you're going to be in Bible studies on Sunday mornings with these little kids, you're going to go to youth group. Like you're going to go to parents night. Like you're going to do all this stuff. And like, it's like this unspoken thing of like, yeah, I am going to be firm in boundaries of like, you're hiring me. You're not hiring my husband. I need you to know that. But at the same time, there's that only goes so far because of just the way church culture is of like, if he's not involved in some way then I I'm looked down on one as a, as a pastor. And then two, our marriages looked down on people are like, Oh, like they're not equally yoked or they're not doing this together. And like, look, my husband freaking loves kids and he'll be at youth group or he'll be at preschool doing Sundays. Like he'll do that because he loves kids. But if for whatever reason, he's like, I just need to take a step away. Like I want him to have the freedom to do that without feeling guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of spouses or significant others in ministry don't have that freedom because of the church culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my husband. Uh, I'm just a secretary, administrative assistant, church manager, boss of the world. I've seen him moving pews. Yeah, he uh, he gets pulled into things a lot. <laughs> and I mean, luckily, I don't really ask a lot of him since I am the boss. I make up all the rules. But it is like kind of an expectation of he has to be there. And we're not even like into being married. Like We're not like Mr. and Mrs. or... You know, Why you're going to call me out like that, huh? <laughs> well, I'm calling all you bitches out out there. Um, or like if I bitch about how we are at home, I'm like, this roommate of mine is an asshole. He doesn't know where to put things. I just broke a glass thing today. And I was talking about it. I was like, you know what it's like living with a man. They never know where to strategically put anything. <laughs> um, Afraid for your life when you open the cabinet? Oh, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> men. Male roommates. Get it together. Um, I do not speak for the opinions of this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Being single in ministry, is, it's different. Um, and it's also weird to date when you're a pastor 
<laughs> I'll say that too. Okay, it was good. always weird to be like, oh, if people are like you're on like the dating apps, you're like, they're like, oh, what do you do? You're like a oh, youth pastor. It's like you you have to uh, immediately address your religious beliefs. Like I'm not ready to, I want to wait yes. un- until a later date. I don't dive right into this right now. And I'm clearly, yes. I, I, the question I would always get is, oh, are you religious? And I'm like, well, damn, I, I, I guess to some extent. <laughs> and then you have I, to like be like, well, well, like, but not like that. <laughs> I literally, um, I literally just had this conversation with my friend. She'll be on the podcast for a later episode, but she is a woman in ministry. She is a pastor. And we just had a conversation about, you know, she's in the online dating world or whatever. And I, I told her, I was like, dude, I can only imagine because I was only an intern and it was already hard to, when people are like, what do you do for a living? And then I'm like, I'm an intern at a mega church. And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, you have to like, one, you have to talk about your theological beliefs, which can be a good thing. Like you want somebody that believes similarly, that's fine. But number two, being a woman in ministry, you have to have that freaking hard conversation, like straight up of you're opening yourself to men to be like, women can't be pastors. And I'm like, dude, I came on here to have pizza with you not to know that you don't affirm me as a woman like no way and god that's so hard exactly what you said of you have to like pour out your soul on tinder before you can even before you can even get a free meal out of it like come on now it's seriously it's such a difficult balance yeah like that reminds me it was just like a a toss-up between like okay do i want this person like if they say they're christian i'm like well i probably don't want to match with them because they're christian they're saying it (laughs) but then you're like you don't want to match with the person that isn't Christian. Cause then they're not going to understand me or my beliefs. And you're like, gosh, is there anyone out there that's in the middle? Like, God. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it's like this weird thing that if they're put, if they're publicly putting like they're a Christian or a Bible verse on their like Tinder or their hinge, I automatically assume that they don't believe women can be pastors. I don't know why, but I automatically assume that. And then, yeah, you're caught in this rock in a hard place of I'm like, okay, like, they like, I want to match with them because they know Jesus, but at the same time, I know we're not going to get along. So then you start matching with these other people and you're playing this game of like, okay, how much do I get to know them before they dump on me that they think like being a Christian is stupid. So I'm like, okay, this is fine. I feel like Becca, you'd have to put in your bio just like immediately like progressive youth pastor. (laughs) I won't guilt you into loving Jesus, but you, you gotta like the guy that's like the perfect no 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 i am i'm now off all dating apps because now my experience in washington and is very different than my experience in california um also the people in california suck too on dating apps but in a different way (laughs) but in in washington if someone's like a christian it's like they're like they're like the tree Christian. You know what I mean? Like they're crunchy. They're, they're, they're doing their client at the climbing gym, uh, five days a week. Yeah. I just like see God in nature. Like, it's just, I just can't like, I can't be a cheesy Christian. Like I'm going to laugh at you nine out of 10 times. Like, you tell me some stupid, uh, <laughs> and it, like, I just can't do it. Like I, I la- I'm going to laugh at them. And I just like, I'll probably like laugh as I'm like saying something I seriously believe about like my faith, but I just, I'll be like, okay, can I get really cheesy for a second? Mm-hmm. But like, I yes. just like, but I know that that's st- still what I believe is still part of me, but I keep a lot of it very private. And so it's very hard for me to like meet people that I actually am interested in or connect to because there's, I, 
I don't know. It's hard because they're all so cheesy, all these Christians. Having having worked at a Christian summer camp in Seattle, Washington, that's 100% true. They all like, first of all, um, why did I start wearing Chacos? Because I started working at a cheesy Christian summer camp in Washington. And they all go backpacking every weekend. Yep. And they all go slacklining. <laughs> And they, they also like, they think they're like these like progressive Christians because they go to breweries. And so they're like, yeah, like, I just wish I could crack open a beer with Jesus, you know? And you're like, you know what? Yeah, me too. But I'm not going to say it out loud. God. <laughs> also, also they think because they're going to go talk theology, like, which, okay, listen, our <laughs> church does theology at breweries or whatever, but here's the thing. Like if I went out with some of these kids I worked at Christian camp with, if we went to a brewery and I was like, dude, isn't it crazy how Jesus loves gay people exactly how they are? They'd be like, what are you talking about? You had too much to drink. Dare you. <laughs> you, also, you Jezebel, you whore. <laughs> also exactly what you said of like, it's like, it's this weird, like, I think of, uh, what's that? What's his name? Judah Smith. His church is based right outside of Seattle. And like all of them would go to that church and they'd be like, Oh my God, like we're so woke. And Justin Bieber goes there. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like what? <laughs> While I would drive like 45 minutes to an hour away from the summer camp to go to a church that was open and affirming like secretly, like I wouldn't tell anybody that's the church <laughs> I was going to. And I would be like, Hey guys. And they're like, where'd you go to church? And I'm like, Oh, nothing, just a small little church. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how like when you're a youth group leader and you're act- an actual progressive, all these things like don't phase you. Like when we were talking about modesty in a recent episode, we were just like, we didn't have a dress code in our youth group. Oh, that's because I was not going to allow it. Yeah, I was not going to allow a dress code at my youth group because one, it traumatized me in my experience growing up and two, the kids wouldn't have listened to me anyways, whether it if I tried the only time I would have, I mean, we didn't go to a summer camp, so it really only mattered like winter camp. You would say, yeah, you guys have a dress code, but But I remember for for myself, it took me a long time to wear leggings to church. Um, I do it now because I don't give a shit, but like, it just took a long time to like erase that, like guilt from my mind that like was grilled into me in youth group and um hume lake christian camps i'm sorry you can mute that um (laughs) now we call all these bitches out we don't care so yeah so now i wear like i just remember like finally being like you know what i can wear leggings to church you know what i can wear shorts to church and you know what if anyone has a problem with it i'm a i'm prepared to just go off and like i just didn't want to hold my kids to that standard and i didn't want like I didn't want the girls in my youth group to grow up with the shame that I grew up with. And I didn't want the guys in my youth group to believe that they could just uh, talk about what women were wearing like that. I didn't want them to have that power either. And to recognize that, yeah, I'm your youth pastor. I'm super hot. And (laughs) (laughs) you know what? You're going to just have to learn how to deal with being around powerful, hot women without causing lust upon yourself because i'm not the one causing it you're causing it dummy (laughs) also i feel like the way our kids never saw us in that light right we were just like the adults that have to like parent them or like shut up shut your freaking mouth please for two seconds um but we also never had like like you said we didn't have really rules of engagement we didn't there were no rules (laughs) it was just like you know hey can you not do that right now please for the love of god and then once i came onto the scene 
we did like have a rule where you couldn't really listen to like cursy explicit music you listen to whatever you wanted we tried to like stop them from swearing at church this was more not even really my rule it was more that i didn't want to get in trouble if someone from the church heard the kids swearing or heard music with swear words but i let them listen to music with swear words in the car because i knew that they would listen to it anyway so i was like uh well shouldn't they know that i they shouldn't feel shame for liking the music that they like um so i went ahead and i just let them listen to whatever they want in the car but i was very straightforward of we don't listen to this at church though guys remember <laughs> and the way i framed um having them not swear at church was i framed it under like this is a practice of self-control and being conscious of the language that we use and by pr practicing it for two hours once a week that is good self-control practice and it was good for me too i had to practice my own self-control by not swearing at youth group and being you know more conscious of my words and actions at church and yeah i think that that was i i feel pretty proud of like framing it in that way so that they didn't feel shamed so uh First, I just, this is a random thought that came to mind, but uh, Becca is extremely qualified for youth ministry because when we were in college, we were our senior small group and uh, she didn't put dress codes on her youth group kids, but she had a dress code for our group that every week we would dress in a different crazy outfit. And if that doesn't scream youth pastor, like I'm telling you, one time we showed up to class all wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> we sat in the back corner of the class. So we snuck into the back and the professor like mid sense was like wow y'all are bright today <laughs> like don't look at us are you kidding me and all the other small groups are like oh you guys like really love each other that looks so fun and we're like yeah we do love each other screw you <laughs> guys yeah I have, I have two thoughts on that first of all i'm so pro matching with your friends any day anytime <laughs> i i will forever be that my second comment is um you can take the girl out of youth ministry, but you can't take the youth yeah. ministry out of the girl. And there's so many times in my everyday life where I say or do something and like either people will say, wow, yeah, you did major in youth ministry. And then, or I just make the joke. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to be a youth pastor for three years. So <laughs> like anytime my roommates and I have game nights, like the way I, like I go into this other mode when I start explaining a game to them, I'm like, okay, so the game is categories, the way you're going to play. I've seen and it, I just I've like, I do it every, like just in natural life. And it is a great thing. And I love it about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the comment you made earlier about the, you're like, can I get really cheesy for a second? Becca has also used that because right before we graduated, like our last small group, she definitely was like, listen, like trying to hide her emotions. I was like, I gotta get really cheesy for a second. But like, I think Jesus like brought us together for a reason. And all of us were like, oh, Becca, God, all of us, mind you, all of us were ministry majors, literally everybody. Like that was the point of these small groups. And she's out here like in her feelings with Jesus. And we're like, get out of here. kid." <laughs> Well, and like my friends and I'm like in a group text with three of my close friends and we like assign roles to each person. And my role is, um, secretary slash chaplain, um, <laughs> because I plan out like, oh, I'm like, okay, guys, you have to schedule this event that we're going to do together and all the details. And we're going to do matching shirts when we go to Omaha. And like, I just coordinate those types of things. And also like, we'll have like emotional zoom calls together and I'll be like, all right, on our agenda, first up 
what do you guys think is your favorite quality about God? (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's like, it always starts off really cheesy, but it turns into good conversations. But like, it's just the youth pastor in me that like feels comfortable being that role, even among friends. What fucking nerds did? Am I right? (laughs) Um, You just don't feel included right now. So you need to attack us. Yeah, because I'm just an aggressive little girl who does not touch their feelings. I'm a youth pastor and I'm proud. (laughs) (laughs) But I get, yeah, I'm not cheesy, man. I I like Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. You know, that's it. End of conversation. So, So what do you think the... What do you think? First of all, I don't even know. Would you one the first question? It's a two part question. One, do you see yourself back in a ministry role, whether youth ministry or some other kind of ministry? Number two, what does that transition look like post the experience you've had a couple of years out of it? Like, what does that take form or how does that take form? Great question, Spencer. First and foremost, yes. <laughs> I would love to be back in youth ministry. Um, what it looks like, like right now I'm working, I'm working 50 hours a week um, at two, between two jobs, both customer service, um, which I love. I love customer service so much. <laughs> like that's another weird thing about me. I just genuinely love to work with customers. Um but <laughs> all like that's, you, you, you wouldn't say that after some time at Disney. Let me tell you, <laughs> I guarantee I would. I, cause I worked <laughs> at a trampoline park. I, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, I just love to complain about them and it's just, it brings me joy to complain about annoying customers. Um, okay. Then yeah, you would like Disney a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love when like, a, this is a sidebar, but I love when like a customer says something annoying or like they say like, Oh, I'm never coming back here again. I love to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. You have a great rest of your day. And that feeling just brings me like so much power to like <laughs> say to a customer. <laughs> um, anyways, back to topic. Um, I, what I've kind of decided is that I, as much as I want to go back into youth ministry, I do not want to go back into it full time. Um, maybe like, I mean, sure. I'm not ever like a 100% type of person. I always accept that there's like a percent of chance that I don't know about myself. Um, but as of right now, I would ideally want something where I'm doing, uh, customer service in addition to a part-time youth ministry role. Um, And I would look for a church in which that is the expectation where I'm not expected to do as much because I would only be part-time. And I would just, I just know that that would allow me to actually be the person that I need to be for the students because I wouldn't feel like a a higher expectation. Like I feel like it'd be an expectation where I could actually meet. Um, And that's not like downselling myself. That's um, talking trash on how high of the expectation (laughs) churches have on pastors. Um, and I would just, yeah, I think I would be, um, more upfront with my viewpoints and beliefs, um, through the hiring process than I think I ha- would have been in the past. Um, cause I just don't want to ever feel like I'm not allowed to be my full self in a role in ministry. And I wouldn't want to feel like my, yeah. the way I choose to live my life is any way um, a problem for the church that I work for. So I think my standard is higher now and my expectations are lower now. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. 
So that would be what I would want to do. And I would, of course, like if, if I, I guess if, if I had kids, I would probably only do a part-time job in ministry. Um, but if before that in my life, I would definitely work also in customer service. Ideally, I would love to work at a hotel. It's been a dream of mine, but <laughs> haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so I, I guess the like the way I see that of just just from my own experience of how do you get like a part-time ministry job? You either one, you either work at like a bigger church where they have associate like youth ministers where you're not in charge. Maybe you just see oversee like middle school girls and yeah. like, you know, you run some small groups and that's what you do. And then you show up on Wednesday nights or the other thing of a smaller church. Like I imagine like a church, like the one Josie and I go to small enough that if we, if we had a youth group startup, like you would only need to be there like 10 or 12 hours a week. And then you could just peace out and do whatever the heck you wanted with the rest of your time. Yeah. The other thing I could also see myself doing is if a church ever needed an interim youth pastor, um, I, I would be amazing at that role. Cause I'm very a professional interim youth pastor. <laughs> I'm very adaptable. Um, and I also don't like committing to things. <laughs> Dude, imagine just traveling around the country being an interim youth pastor. I am born for that. So if there's any churches out there looking for someone of that, uh, capacity that's me <laughs> the hard part is oh though God. is you're the interim youth pastor and then they love you so much and they ask you to stay and you're like no <laughs> sorry sorry i gotta go be the independent woman i am and then i just walk <laughs> off and i shake my ass <laughs> and then they don't want you back <laughs> i crack open a beer on my way out the sanctuary later bitches <laughs> off to bigger and better churches <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Becca, it has been the biggest treat to talk to you about the shit show that is youth groups. Um <laughs> we just had an episode recently about youth group lock-ins, which was a which was a oh. riot. Love a good I here's here's a, a tip to churches. Don't call them lock-ins. This is what you call them. You call them the youth group sleepover. If you call it the sleepover, the kids will go to sleep. Mm -hmm. If you call it the all-nighter or the lock-in, they're like, party all night. Woo. Yes. You call yes. it the sleepover. You stay out really late, like 2 in the morning, and then you say, you know what? 3 a.m., bedtime. All right? Everybody go to sleep. We'll wake up. We'll do breakfast in the morning. And then it works. Mm -hmm. It works so much better did uh, three of them in my time at that church. And the first time was when I was an intern and they called it all nighter and it did not go great. But the two times <laughs> they called it sleepover. Amazing. Sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't mention that in the podcast. Obviously I remember a lot about our youth group <laughs> sleepovers Becca, before you go. Uh, we need some, so the, the lock-in episode is like, was going to be a starter to like this series of weird, like youth group things. And obviously we just did purity culture. So we need some topics. What other weird youth group things should we expose? Give us some ideas while you're here. Oh, oh, I'm going to have, I wish I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> um, I mean, you could talk about, you could definitely talk about weird youth group games that you've had to play. Um, yes. Yes. There's that. Um, you could talk about youth group room aesthetics. Um, that is a good one. That is so good. <laughs> we fought a lot about that in my day. Dude, our youth room looked like freaking trash. And then I graduated and they gave it a whole makeover. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> uh, you could talk about, oh, I had another one. I, well, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. You know, 
already yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, we I just think... put you on the spot. You don't have to continue to give us more ideas. Okay. Yeah, you can get back to us, but that's a good one. The youth room aesthetic is, I think it's that's deeper. A good than one. Pe- it's deeper than people realize, honestly. <laughs> yeah, our our youth group had like a wave, and because it was called the Cove, because Covenant Church or whatever, so it had like wave aesthetics. But none of us were particularly. Um, beachy <laughs> our kids also, had not also, gone to the beach <laughs> i was like that church is nowhere near the beach <laughs> it was a it was a weird aesthetic yeah um i will say one of the best things about being a youth pastor is that i'm really good at foosball yes Gosh, so what about what about ping pong uh i'm i'm okay at ping pong but i i'm more we did have a ping pong table oh. uh but I would just love to play foosball. Um, yeah, so the youth group games, youth group room aesthetic, um, and I, I will, I'll get back to you on any other fun ideas that come to mind. Nice. Oh, youth group fundraisers. <laughs> oh God, that's a good one. Oh, I have a story. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, Becca, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell uh, the crowd how they can find you if they want, if you want them to find you. Honestly, the best place to follow me on is Twitter at behoog b-h-o-o-g um and if you really want to follow me on instagram at becca hoog uh sorry becca underscore hoog b-e-k-a-h underscore h-o-o-g um my last name is pronounced hoogorf just in case one more you want to know becca hoogorf hoogerworf hoogerworf it is phonetic um how about just hoog (laughs) behoogs behoogs well uh well thanks friends for joining us once again on our ridiculous podcast mm-hmm. uh, uh you can find us on instagram at speaking in church uh no podcast or nothing just speaking in church you can find us on twitter at speaking church uh our email is speaking in church at gmail.com spencer how can they find you spencer are you still there Well, you can find Spencer uh, on Instagram at S Spencer Rose, one R S P E N C E R O S E, no two R's. You can find me on Instagram at Josie Takes the World. And you can find us on Twitter too if you really want to. But I'll let you figure that out from previous episodes. You gotta listen for those. Thanks, friends, for joining us. We love you. Bye. Stay woke or get woke. Thank you. Bye. Jesus loves you. Bye. I didn't think I was gonna let you get away with the uh, without giving you the, the good old modern plugs, right? The modern day plugs. Well, I mean, most stuff stays the same. Speaking at church on Instagram, um, you can find everything there. Josie takes the world personally. Don't bother Spencer, okay? Unless you already know her, then feel free to bother her and tell you I sent her. You sent her. You whatever. Um, anyways, um, if you're feeling generous. Buy some merch. That's on our Instagram. That's pretty much it for the modern day plugs. Uh, I'm going to say it again because in this season of Christian nonsense, uh, get woke or stay woke. Stay woke or get woke. I don't even remember what order I usually say it in because Christmas puts me that out of whack. All right, whatever. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.